You are listening to The Concierge on Monocle Radio. Coming up on today's programme, we swing by that well-known hotel in Cap d'Antibes. From Warsaw to Albania, we put your questions to our concierge service. We profile some high-end luggage. People seem to care more about luggage in general, and it seems like it's going more from being just a tool to carry your stuff from A to B during a holiday to being like part of your accessories and something that you care about and you want it to look good. And we're all going on a summer holiday to Ontario. If like thousands of visitors each summer, you're embarking on a road trip into the verdant green winemaking region of Prince Edward County, you'll know that your destination isn't too far away when the cheerful sounds of County FM, the region's local radio station, slips onto the FM dial on your car radio. That is all coming up on The Concierge in association with Allianz Partners. Welcome to The Concierge on Monocle Radio with me, Robert Bounds. And we start the programme today, as we so often do, with a real-life concierge from the front line. And today I'm joined by no less than Gilles Bertolino, who is head concierge at the Hotel du Cap Eden Rock. Jill, it is wonderful to have you on the concierge today. Give us a little bit of an idea of the view from your office at the Hotel du Cap. I should imagine it is pines and the Mediterranean and a warm summer breeze. But don't let me put words in your mouth. Where are you today? <laughs> well, today I'm in well, certainly the most beautiful office in the world. Uh, this is what I usually say every morning. I mean, it's such a pleasant place. And you don't work at Hotel du Cap. I mean, you just enjoy the, the beauty of it. My office is overlooking the pine trees and the, and the Mediterranean Sea. And it's, uh, it's just a, a dream place. And what is the most common thing that guests want from you or desire or something that they can't organize themselves? Or how does that work? And how do you juggle so many requests during a daytime? It's very simple. I mean, people always think that at Hotel du Cap, people will ask for crazy, crazy things. They rarely do. Most of the time, it's very, it makes very common sense. And they want simple things, and they want my tips on the restaurants, on what to see, on what are the exhibits. They are very, I would say, 99.9% of the, our customers are very well-educated people. I think it's rather a shame, though, that if people aren't coming to your desk, ringing the bell and asking, for example, to be able to play tennis with Elton John or something. <laughs> well, Surely there must have been some, some more uh, high-level demands. <laughs> well, there are, of course, there are. But it's, again, it seems crazy for most of the people outside of the, the little world of Ducap, but at Ducap, it doesn't seem crazy. And I would say it's usually Elton John, uh, Sir Elton, asking... Uh, to play tennis with me. <laughs> of course it is. That's what we want, Gilles. Well, your personal reputation precedes you as a handsome man about town and about the Hotel du Cap. Now, tell us a little bit about your personal history because you and the Grand Hotel go back, well, <laughs> go back a while, don't you? you? You have a long and happy history together. Give our listeners a taste of your time there. Well, it seems to me, I mean, I've uh, always been at Ducap. I'm a local person and I grew up with my uh, granddaddy who uh, worked for Hotel Ducap in the early uh, 50s. So it seems to me I, I, I've always been at Hotel Ducap. But of course, it's now has been 37 years at Ducap. So uh, it's a long period. But it seems to me, I mean, I started uh, yesterday. It was like a dream come true, honestly. I mean, I remember when I was a young kid, when I used to uh, to drive with my parents in front of the gate at Ducap. And uh, 
I always say to myself, one day I will be inside. And while we have you, Gilles, um, such a legendary figure in the world of concierges, we've obviously got to ask you if we were going to spend just a single night at the Hotel du Cap, where we might have lunch, where we might have supper and where we should spend the day swimming and sunbathing. What would you what would you lay on for us? Well, I'm going to give you two advice. If you come for one day at the cap, first of all, I would say it's much too short. Secondly, I would say be careful because you might be addicted to your tattoo cap very fast. <laughs> but what I will suggest to you is, first of all, I mean, to enjoy your tattoo cap and all the facilities. Uh, I keep on saying to everyone that hotel du cap, it's a destination by itself. So if you don't go out, I mean, it's fine with me. But if there is one thing that you need to do is to enjoy at least half a day of local life and go in the morning to the Antibes covered market where you will see the colorful people and local people on top of that. You need to stop at the Picasso Museum, which is right on the fortification of the city. The building is fantastic. And on top of that, it's not like every Picasso Museum. This is where Picasso used to uh, to work. And that makes uh, a great difference. And my last tip for half a day visit will be to stop at the best bakery in France, meaning the best bakery certainly in the world, Viziano, where you will find the best onion tarts that you can dream of. (laughs) I knew we'd somehow end on food. What are we washing that down with? What is your cocktail of choice? What is your um, glass of wine of choice, Gilles? Well, I don't tell you, Cap, I will say... You have to go for the Bellini on the main balcony. This is uh, certainly one of the most uh, legendary places at Hotel du Cap is the Cabana area. Uh, but I will say to have a Bellini on the balcony overlooking the grounds and the beautiful uh, view on the yachts uh, dock uh, right uh, across, that's certainly one of my best time of the day. Well, we will dream of that until in just a matter of weeks, I'm sure, we will be down with you in charge of a wonderful weekend for the concierge. The concierge looking after the concierge sounds about right. Um, For the time being, uh, Gilles Bertolini, head concierge at the Grand Hotel du Cap Eden Rock. Um, Thank you very much for talking us through your legendary career in concierge. You're very kind, Rob. Thank you so much. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to be chatting with you soon. Thanks, Gilles, and we'll be down to Cap d'Antibes to have a swim very soon. And now to our very own Little Black Book, that part of the programme where we look to our correspondents all over the globe to answer your questions. The concierge desk, well, it's open for business. And first up on the line from the environs of Chicago, we're joined by Adam Webb. Um, Adam, thank you for coming on The Concierge. Thank you for your question. Looking forward to that. But first things first, as you may know, is it vacation weather where you are? It is vacation weather. It is. It's getting quite warm during the day here. It's uh, nice to be on the lake and it cools off at night. It's perfect right now in Chicago. Great. So I'm getting a kind of vibe of, yeah, a little bit of a a little bit of a cooling breeze coming off that huge body of water, cooling you down just enough to be able to go about your day to day. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Nice. That's what we that's what we like. Well, but you're not staying put. I know you've got a question for the concierge that is based around sort of central eastern Europe. So Adam Webb in Chicago, what is your question for the concierge? Well, I will be in Poland for meetings in September. And I expect to have one day open in Warsaw and one night before taking the train to Poznan, where my schedule is pretty full with meetings. Do you have any recommendations? 
Perfect. Uh, well, thanks, Adam. And to get the lowdown on what to do in Poland, we're going to hand you over to the safe hands of our Warsaw-based reporter, Maciusz Mazzini. Warsaw has been simultaneously named 2023 Europe's best travel destination and the European city with the fastest GDP growth over the last 12 months, both of which translate into a vast array of cultural endeavours, crowded cafes, and even entire quarters changed beyond recognition. An example of the latter is the northern part of the Praga district, sitting on the right riverbank of the Vistula River. Neglected for decades, enjoying a somewhat notorious fame, has now become home to some of the city's most exciting projects. Port Braski, a newly constructed complex of residential and mixed-use buildings, is in itself a marvel of architectural and urban development. It features Brac, a wine bar and bistro serving only Polish products. Everything there, from the drinks to cold cuts, and even glasses the wine is served in, is produced in Poland, giving the visitors a unique opportunity to dive into the growing culture of local winemaking. Further into the district is Brotyskawki, a wordplay on Franz Kafka's most famous novel and one of Warsaw's best coffee roasters. More determined wanderers can enjoy Nova Praga and Halera Square, a crown achievement of socialist urban planning and the home of Serso, a claim to be among best breakfast and bagel joints in the capital. More centrally, Polin, the Museum of the History of Polish Jews, is fundamental to understanding the millennia of complex coexistence of Poles and Jews in the same lands. The Palace of Culture, a relic of Stalinist architectural megalomania, offers a breathtaking view on the city from its viewing terrace on the 30th floor. Mokotowska is a one-stop shop for all things fashion, trendy, and made in Poland. And it ends at the Three Crosses Square, where Wódka na Widelcu offers a tasteful excursion into Polish cuisine with a more exquisite twist. Poznań is most famous for its St. Martin's chubby croissants, stuffed with white poppy seed cream and a variety of nuts. Can't go wrong with them anywhere. Starybrowar is probably Poland's most known shopping center, featuring also an open-air art gallery. Park Cytadela is home to the permanent exhibition of Unidentified, a collection of 112 pieces by Magdalena Bakanowicz, an iconic sculpture of global fame. And finally, to cater for even more selective taste buds, Muga offers the best food in town, as proven by the recently awarded Michelin star. Enjoy the ride. Wow, that was Maciusz Madsini, who's our Warsaw-based reporter, giving... A lot more than a lowdown. In fact, that sounds like a busy schedule. An embarrassment of riches on display there, Adam. Has that enticed you to possibly pull a sick day while you're over there for work? <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I could. Um, I will definitely be checking out those, though. And uh, I appreciate that there's a coffee roaster on the list. Not just a coffee roaster, but a coffee roaster riffing on Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka in Polish. I mean, that is, that's a photo to add to the Instagram reel right there, I think, Adam. Yeah, well, that sounds amazing. And I think maybe a list there to add to any future travel plans to Poland as well. Adam Webb, on the outskirts of Chicago, but nonetheless cooled by that great lake. Thanks for your question. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for coming on the concierge. And, uh, and bon voyage to Poland come September. Thank you. 
Thank you. I really appreciate it. And next on the line, we have Christopher Bartle from Hamburg. Hello, concierge. This is Chris from Hamburg. I'm going to visit Albania for a total of 10 days soon. And I'm going to spend around four days in Tehran and then the remaining ones sort of driving around in the countryside. And since I do not know much about the country yet and what to explore, I would be very much interested in your recommendations. Many thanks. And with what to do in Albania, of course, it's Guy Delorny, Monocle's Balkans correspondent. Albania used to be Europe's best-kept secret, but people are rapidly catching on as word gets out regarding its pristine Adriatic beaches, spectacular nature and vibrant cities, so now is definitely the time to go. The capital, Tirana, is currently pulling off the tricky task of undergoing a massive transformation while maintaining a reassuringly mellow mood, and there's no better symbol of this than the Pyramid of Tirana. It was designed as a museum to honour the notorious communist dictator Enver Hoxha, but Dutch architects MVRDV have just overseen a two-year project to transform it into a people's monument with cafes, studios and workshops. You can even honour Tirana tradition by sliding down the outside if you're feeling playful. Other evidence of Tirana's transformation can be found at the two bunk art museums housed in Hoxha-era bunkers. Albania's young entrepreneurs hatched their plots in the stylish cafes and restaurants along Tirana's main plaza, Skanderbeg Square. There are also plenty of dining and drinking options in the Bloku neighbourhood, once home to Hoja's residence, but now bursting with boutiques and bars. Take a stroll along its leafy lanes and dive in. For creative company, try Tula Culture Centre and Destiel Creative Hub. Both offer working space, galleries and performances, and in Tula's case, a small record shop to boot. Its owner, Albin Nimani, sings in a well-known band, and he's up for a jam of you are. To explore the countryside, give Elton Kaushi a call at Albanian Trip. He'll create anything from a slow food tour to a week-long trek for lepidopterists keen to appreciate Balkan butterflies. And for the beach, head to Vlora. Architect Elian Steffer will host you at the Hotel Picasso, which boasts its own art gallery. As the official tourism slogan used to say, you'll be taken by Albania. Thank you very much, Guy Delorny there, and of course, Christopher Bartle for his question. If you have a question for the concierge, please do write to us. Send your questions to concierge at monocle.com. My thanks to Matthias Mazzini and Guy Delorny. Next up, it's the Travel Interrogator. Just like the Monocle team, Allianz Partners is committed to helping you build exceptional experiences. Allianz Partners' reputation for excellence and the continuous drive to innovate means the business is uniquely equipped to accompany its partners and customers with their ever-changing travel needs. So get out there and visit the places, enjoy the experiences, and meet the people changing the world of hospitality for the better. Allianz Partners. Get the most out of your experience with peace of mind. Making modern high-end leather goods for men and women, Carl Friedrich champions a new type of luxury where fine craftsmanship, timeless design and transparency can be surprisingly attainable. The brand's co-founder, Mattis Oppermann, joined me in the studio to tell us how his work goes hand-in-hand with the wide world of travel. 
Mattis, thank you so much for joining us on The Concierge today. It's lovely to have you in here. I feel almost like you smell of the lovely <laughs> leather. That I know you're not necessarily in the workshop on your hands and knees hammering things and crafting these lovely pieces of luggage, but you have a considerable aura of authenticity about you, Mattis. Am I wrong to think this? Thank you very much, but I think maybe the smell comes from the leather bag, actually. It's the leather bag that's, that's, that's crouched in the corner of the studio here. Um, so first things first, by the way, congratulations on your 10-year anniversary, Carl Friedrich, which is, which is this year, am I right in thinking? This year, so yeah. Right, nice. So I'm sure some champagne corks popped, but what else happened on your 10-year anniversary? I believe you had a special product that you launched to, to yep. satisfy some demand and a happy birthday. First of all, I think the realization was that we're getting old (laughs) (laughs) and time goes really fast. No, but we launched a 10-year anniversary product, which was our best-selling briefcase called the Policy Briefcase. Mm -hmm. We launched it in a colorway that is chocolate and naturale, so an untanned, uncolored leather. So it's a leather that, yeah, it's almost white and it will age very beautifully over time. And it's a color we had many years ago when we first started the business. Mm-hmm. Customers loved it. And we got questions very often like we should bring it back. So we thought that was a good color and a good time to bring it back. Bring it back. So say I'm going on a business trip. Maybe I'm going to Madrid and I'm going to Milan. And I'm going to those two cities. I'm spending a week in total. But I'm going to add a bit of um, sightseeing onto the end of it. I'm going to add, add a bit of vacation onto the end of it. I'm going to obviously check a case in because I'm going to want stuff that I'm going to want to check a small case in and have a decent bag over my shoulder or to sit on top of my case. What has Carl Friedrich got up his sleeve for me? Yeah, so one week trip. Does that sound like a slightly (laughs) fictitious trip? Because it is one. No, it sounds good. (laughs) I'm personally traveling quite light and I try to avoid checking luggage in when I can. So I usually go with a carry-on case Mm -hmm. and then a backpack on top. And we have one carry-on, which is a polycarbonate case with an aluminum frame. And then I usually have a backpack, a soft backpack Mm -hmm. on top to keep my laptop, camera, notebook and these kind of things. And if you're flying as well, you have, we have two models of check-in luggages, one standard size and one extra large. So longer trip, then I would go for the large check-in luggage mm-hmm. to ensure like all the clothes you need for the trip. And in terms of the long-haul check-in cases, what are we talking about in terms of construction materials and the look of these things? Because this is, this is where people make a very aesthetic choice, don't they, with their luggage, as much as a practical choice. And this obviously feeds into the DNA of your brand, Carl Friedrich, as well as simply taking something off the peg that needs to be filled with clothes to go on a holiday. So tell us about some of the aesthetic choices that you made in your sort of design DNA. Yeah. So that is something that we are seeing as a shift in the industry that people seem to care more about luggage in general. And it seems like it's going more from being just a tool to carry your stuff from A to B during a holiday to being like part of your accessories and something that you care about and you want it to look good. It makes a lot of sense. Like um, if you care about like otherwise what bags you're carrying and why wouldn't you care about what your luggage looks like? Mm. So I think that is something changing. Still, if you go to Heathrow or like European airport now, I think there's still a long way to go because most of the luggages still are not fashion accessories, let's say. Uh, So there is still a lot of improvement potential. People think they are, though. (laughs) Maybe they do. But... That's one thing in in Asia, for example, it seems there people care much more about Mm. what their luggage looks like. So there's a big difference, I think, from from Europe to Asia. 
what went into the design process. The first and most important aspect of that is the durability of them. And everyone probably has had one or another experience where something breaks, a, a wheel falls off, a handle falls off or something like that. The main objective is to make it as durable as possible and then to make it ours because we are uh, we started as a leather goods brand focusing on accessories and briefcases. So we thought like how can we implement our to make the design ours really and that we added like a small leather strip going horizontally across the case and we have that across all our suitcases. Big thanks to Mattis Opperman there from Carl Friedrich. Next up, it's the in crowd. In Canada, the long summer days offer opportunities to enjoy the great outdoors through the wonderful hiking, boating, camping and fishing opportunities available across that big old country. Summer festivals, including Canada Day and the Calgary Stampede, take place and outdoor dining is popular in towns and cities. Monocle's Thomas Lewis took the opportunity to visit Ontario and sent us this report. This is JT Wistard of High Anxiety, the Rotted Roots Ramblers, Liquor Box and Politics, and you are listening to the Friday Afternoon Drive with Carol Ann McNeil on 99.3 County FM, the voice of the county. If, like thousands of visitors each summer, you're embarking on a road trip into the verdant, green, winemaking region of Prince Edward County, you'll know that your destination isn't too far away when the cheerful sounds of County FM, the region's local radio station, slips onto the FM dial on your car radio. And while the rolling postcard views of the countryside along the two-hour route from Toronto are hazier than usual this year, thanks to this summer's record-breaking wildfires in Quebec, hundreds of miles away. In the county's largest town, Picton, there's a fine new outpost to base yourself at during your stay in the region. And, for now at least, get some respite from the smoky air. Hello there. Hi. Hi there. Welcome to the Royal. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. We're happy to have you. The Royal Hotel's Grand Victorian facade has graced Picton's main street since 1881. But following a major years-long rebuild and restoration, it reopened formally in its current guise just over a year ago. Back in 2013, my father-in-law, Greg Cerbera, decided to buy this old, decrepit building, the Royal Hotel, a 150-year-old hotel right on Main Street in Prince Edward County. Sol Corngold is co-owner and general manager at the Royal Hotel, whose family also owns and operates the farm, which is about a 15-minute drive away from the hotel, which supplies it with much of its produce. Greg had tried to buy an old church on Main Street months before, just up the ray. A beautiful old historically designated church and that offer to purchase was turned down. And then within, I think, a week or two or three, the building was illegally demolished overnight. It became a national story. People were outraged. And then I think it was that a few months later when Greg was walking up Main Street and he kind of looked up at this old crumbling Royal Hotel with a big for sale sign in front of it and said, well, somebody's got to do something about this or it's going to meet the same fate. And that's when Greg came to the family and said, I think we should buy the Royal 
and I think we should rebuild it as a hotel. And everyone in the family said, you're absolutely nuts. What do we know from hospitality? But I think it's those leaps, those things that kind of stretch and excite and propel us to do things in a bit of a different way. The hotel's architects have woven nods to the building's Victorian history into each of the 33 guest rooms. So to take on that restoration is a pretty awesome thing and an awesome responsibility. And I think when people come in today and they walk around, there are these subtle references to the Victorian era. For example, if you look up in the ceilings, you'll notice circles in a lot of places. You'll notice that grand column in the entrance in the lobby. You'll notice the circle above in the main dining room. And these are all our kind of interpretations of the Victorian rosette, which you would have seen in the center of a room everywhere. And all the rooms here have those kind of subtle, subtle references. You know, you'll notice the elevator stack in the center of the building has this, what we call the cage. It came to be called the cage during construction. And the cage is meant to recall the old freight elevators that you would have to yank the doors open, you know. And then throughout, every room has a silver tray. And these are real. They're not silver, but these, everyone is unique. We found them in antique shops. We've been shopping for these things forever. There's little subtle references to the Victorian. And I think it's what makes it special. And the rural setting is what anchors the menus in the hotel's dining room too, whose kitchens are helmed by head chef Albert Ponzo, whose own family's farm supplies the restaurant with honey. My avenue to get here was a little bit different than most chefs. I actually started off as a jazz musician. I went to school for bass, Humber College, quite a renowned program, and I graduated there and I was playing music and as a lot of musicians do, is you know they, they find a part-time job to help with their bills. And I became a server, and I started really falling in love with the restaurant industry. Well, back out on Main Street, at the end of which sits the Cenotaph Memorial to two world wars and a small water fountain, which you might be able to hear rippling behind me. There's a really fine crop of independent businesses, many of which are run by people who moved here to Picton from the cities, long before the outflow of people from urban areas during the periods of lockdown in the pandemic. My name is Caitlin O'Reilly, and I've been a resident of Picton, Prince Edward County, for coming on to eight years. And just this past month in June, I've opened up my own shop and have everything all under one roof, my studio, as well as my retail space. Caitlin O'Reilly is a ceramicist whose workshop, Cylinder Studio, produces dinnerware and other pieces which are stocked in homes and restaurant dining rooms right around the county and further afield. I really wanted to sell where I worked. I knew that I wanted to break that sort of chain of People could see where it was built and try and do it in the community because part of the reason that we moved here was because of the art scene. So I really thought it needs to be seen. If people are coming here for the arts, you want to see the arts as well as the final pieces, but the the artists making the art. So that was always really important, and I think that influenced the work quite a bit because I got to meet a lot of home chefs and chefs in the county. So that really helped the sort of full tableware line and servingware and functional wear. 
as well as being influenced by all the other artists around, woodworkers and designers. And so I got a full range of the type of people who are coming through the county. So yeah, I think there's still, I think locals supporting locals is a really huge thing here that we all, you know, someone has creating a new recipe or a new tasting menu, and then they'll include the the plates that go along with it. And so there's a very good circular economy that way. And beyond the relatively large population of artists and writers and musicians who call Prince Edward County home, there's another kind of circular economy that's catered to a few doors down from Cylinder Studio at Beacon Bikes and Brew, which was founded four years ago by Jordan Mulka. Especially with all the wineries here, it's a natural progression. Somebody's at a winery, they see how it's made. It's the sun, it's the water, it's the soil. Coffee's no different. So we get to introduce really interesting coffee and different coffee to Prince Edward County. And that was a big part, is just to kind of try to carve our own little slice here amongst all the farms and the wineries and the, and the visitors. So many people come here to bike and to visit. So we service about 150 bikes a uh, season, and we sell bikes, exclusively Linus bikes. And for Picton's newer crop of sommeliers and restaurateurs, being nestled among so many winemaking operations gives them ample opportunity to try something new in their dining rooms. Prince Edward County is very young. It's, you know in the grand scheme of things is, is quite new to the scene. It's also undergone from my, what I've seen, a couple sort of revamps and reiterations right now. You know, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay being the, the leading grapes out here and for good reason, you know, we have a lot of active limestone close to the surface. Miles Harrison is the sommelier, head chef and co-owner of Thea, a small new dining room that opened at the beginning of the summer. The wines out here have a lot of potential and there's some winemakers making some really special wines you know being in Canada the economics of starting a winery are insane you know if you go to France you have these fifth sixth generation wineries you know they don't pay property taxes anymore people pick their grapes for free it's not the case here in Canada so to combat those kind of natural elements and then the wine market in Canada anyone who sets themselves up to grow grapes out here and make wine I, I commend wholeheartedly for sure I think Prince Edward County again being so young is is still trying to people doing things all over the place very differently, but I think we're just trying to find our voice and, and kind of get there for this new wave of, of wine. Now, again, I, I'm new to the county, so I might be talking out of my ass a little bit, but that's kind of my take on it. <laughs> Back at the Royal Hotel and dinner service is well underway. For the new array of visitors that places like the Royal Hotel are attracting to the county, Many of the owners are making an effort to balance the act of bringing something new to the region's hospitality landscapes without chipping away too much of what has made this area so special to so many people for so long. Sol Korngold again. I just want to say that this story, it's not unique to Prince Edward County. I could probably list 10 towns in Ontario that are going through the same type of growth. So one of the things that we wanted to make sure that I was really kind of hell-bent on ensuring was that the Royal was a place where people felt welcome, where the price of beer wasn't more than anywhere else on the street, and where they felt that they could come and spend time with friends. For Monocle Radio, I'm Thomas Lewis. That was Monocle's very own one-man Calgary stampede, Thomas Lewis there.
And that is it for today's programme. Thank you very much to our guests, Gilles Bertolino and Mattis Opperman. The concierge's producer was Tom Webb. The programme was researched by Monica Lillis and studio managed by Steph Chungu. If you have a question for the concierge, please do drop us an email on concierge at monocle.com. Join us next time, why not, when we'll be exploring a summer in Basel. I've been Robert Bound. Thank you very much for tuning in and happy travels.